You land the final blow, and the orc screams out in pain as he dies. Okay, okay. That was the first enemy we've seen in a while. I'm hoping that he has some sort of clue as to where we need to go. I search for clues. And you don't find anything. Okay, how about in the room? Mm, nothing there either. We have been wandering this house for three hours, and we haven't found a single clue. Can I search the next room? I mean, you can, but you're not going to find anything. Gah! Do you even have a story plan for this? Um... On this episode of Becoming DM, we continue our series on campaign building with a discussion about storytelling. Hey everyone, this is Felicia. And this is John. Now, before we get started on this episode, we just want to remind our listeners that it's all about starting small. We start to sound like a broken record yes. right now, I think. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would agree, um, especially when it comes to storytelling. Yes, exactly. Um, you want to you wanna make sure that you, know, you keep this manageable for both you and your players. And by, by, doing, by starting small, you can, you can do things like make sure that you're not railroading your players. Because there's some players out there that really take offense to that. Um, <laughs> so, so insulted. Yeah, so, so maybe stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> and also by building small, you can have smaller arcs that you can eventually tie together into a much larger story once you've determined that your players are into it. Yeah, exactly. Leave them those little breadcrumbs to maybe follow later. All right, so that's our public safety announcement. <laughs> it's been announced. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and and continue on to actually talking about um, building story. Yes. And one of the one of the big things that 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 we we kind of discussed was really to consider the goals of your characters. Mm -hmm. um, things like what what's in their background. Yes. Um, so how, based on that background, what things are going to be important to them? Yeah, I mean, like one of the campaigns that I'm currently running. Um, involves one of my players whose cousin was kidnapped and they were very close cousins. So when it came to like an adventure that was related to that and finding his cousin, that was the main objective. That was his goal. That was something that he was emotionally invested in finding out. Yep. And uh, as I've, I think I've mentioned on the show before, one of the players in my Pathfinder game uh, ran into someone from his past mm -hmm. that I built this rivalry from and <laughs> made them hate each other. And so running into him kind of um, unbeknownst to me, built this whole uh, path for a story that I hadn't considered. Again, going back to that building small, uh, small piece of it. But taking into his account his background, I've actually been able to build a story that the players are really invested in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, some other things are, are really to, to what, what have they expressed that they want to do. So we've talked about their background, but, but maybe um, during that session zero, the player said, well, I really want to go about my days saving princesses. Mm -hmm. That's a weird goal for somebody to have, but... but <laughs> Hashtag life goals. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, it could be something different. It could be, I, all I want to do is amass treasure. Um, all I want to do is murder, hobo. Yeah, I want to, I want to overthrow a kingdom. Yep. Uh, whatever it is, uh, whatever the, the, the player has said that they want to do is definitely something to keep in mind as you, as you look to build your story. And, and that's one of the things, like you were saying in Session Zero, um, and we had mentioned this on that previous episode when we were talking about Episode Zero, where you, know, you can reference a concrete thing like that, was it that consent sheet? Consent uh, gaming, yeah. Consent gaming sheet. Or just before you start your campaign, just a discussion, a casual discussion that you have with your players. It can really come along in, in any of those forms um, when you do a Session Zero. Yeah, and 
And then this next this next one for uh, for for your for your characters and determining how to build your story is helpful if you've played other parts of the campaign with them. So yeah, I think um, you know that helps kind of for you as a DM um, to gauge their behavior, gauge their preferences, gauge their actions. Um, it's been a really learning a big learning experience for me as a DM to really pay attention to that, especially like when I was first starting out. I was so, <laughs> so focused on just trying to make sure that I was presenting a good game that I really didn't pay as much attention to like my player habits. And so when it came to creating my own home-brewed campaign versus one that was pre-made, I had to put a lot more thought into, oh, is this something that my players are gonna like because this is the type of player that they are? Um, versus if I just, paid attention when I was DMing and actually been like, oh, so-and-so really loves murder hobering. Like, I'm sure he would love to murder hobo the crap out of this next campaign. Um, or I have a couple of players, like the ones that you've played in my campaigns before, you and another player are a lot more into strategizing. Um, and, and that's just something that I've learned to kind of attune myself to. Uh, as, as we come term, along. I'm into not dying. <laughs> <laughs> you like to think before you act. We have some that just act before they think. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, having a group that you're already familiar playing with is an excellent opportunity for you to pay attention to what their preferences and their habits are. Yeah, because that, that can also um, affect how you, how you present a story to them. Yes. Because if you present to them and, and hype up the... the uh, aspects of getting treasure and maybe all they care about is combat yeah. or maybe they're really big into in palace intrigue or something like that and the story might have that but if all you're playing up is the is the treasure aspect of it and they don't care about mm. that necessarily uh, i haven't run into too many players that don't care about treasure but <laughs> but regardless uh the it, how you present it is gonna gonna affect how they how they take on to it um so something to keep in mind is, as you as you build those out, also how you build it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's important just to really clarify those motivations. Yep, and this this also comes back. We're gonna, I think, beat this horse dead. <laughs> yep, uh, it comes back to to starting small because yep. you can present uh, a small piece of of it and see what what your players latch onto. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also. Uh, have them start filling in some of those gaps because mm -hmm. if they are really focused on one part, if maybe they they're sort of into your story, um, but they are really into this other aspect that you hadn't built, they can start filling in those gaps and building the story for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great thing to kind of um, let your story or let your players kind of contribute to the story, um, and, and in in a way and in a sense that kind of gives them more investment in the story, which means that they're going to be more committed to following through with it. Um, and even providing more clarification, more information to you about like what their preferences are. Yeah, allowing them to contribute to the story prevents something down the road from them saying, this story sucks. Yeah, like, well, you know what, dude, you wrote part of it, so. Yeah, uh, so it, it's, it's helpful in a lot of different ways to, to have your players interactive there. Um, you're, you're avoiding the railroading, you're getting them invested, you're taking the load off mm -hmm. of yourself. So if you can get them, and some, some players aren't interested in doing that. Some players are, they're along for the ride. Like, yeah. Uh, railroad, buy me a ticket, I wanna yeah. get on. <laughs> I'm the bandwagon kind of player. So it just, again, it's, it's part of knowing your players. Yeah. 
But once you've really, uh, really thought about your players and and what they may or may not enjoy, you can start working on the the story itself. But a, a lot of people struggle with with kind of that where to begin. Yes, the beginning, the end, the beginning of the end. The middle-ish part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, for me, you know, when I'm creating a story, um, you know, my biggest thing is, you know, we're talking macro versus micro. You know, uh, some people see the forest, some people see the trees in the forest. Obviously, you want to know what your personal preferences are. But when I write a story, my biggest thing I think of first is what is the main objective? What am I, as a DM, trying to accomplish as a storyteller? Um, you know, is this something where I'm trying to, you know, is my objective to present a treasure? Am I trying to help my players gain experience points? Um, am I wanting to have them move to a new setting? Like we've done forests and swamps for a while and I want to start taking on city states. So this is going to be a presentation of that city state. Um, you, you can kind of sit down for a second and just for just contemplate like what is it that i'm trying to accomplish with this story with my players or is is my objective simply to introduce them to the world i've built yeah um uh because there's a lot of potential moving parts yeah. we, we talked about government and religion well, and all this other things <laughs> so maybe it's just a we're dipping our toes into that and and we've got a story that that kind of works to introduce them to that mm -hmm. Uh, additionally, you can have your tr traditional objective. You you have a plot and you want them to bring it to conclusion. Mm -hmm. uh, and where you're at with your players can really uh, inform where you need to be with that story. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, if you're looking to get them experience, if you've got a bunch of level one people and all the story ideas you have are like, oh, this is just going to wipe them out. I'm going to yeah. have a TPK left and right. Uh, so you may just want to get them experience so you can get to those ideas and, and get them there fast. Sure, you could say, we're all going to start at this level, but there's something rewarding about the players earning that experience and leveling up on their own. No, that's true. And, and for all of those more uh, new DMs out there, uh, like myself, you know, one objective, a very valid objective, is sometimes you're creating these stories to give yourself experience as a DM. Mm -hmm. uh, learning experiences are absolutely key. This, this can help you know, for you kind of identify, okay, maybe what are some of my weaker spots as a DM? I'm taking this on for the first time and I'm not really sure about the mechanics. Uh, you know, what can I learn from this this particular experience? So maybe you're creating this small little story um, that you're gonna present to your players just to better learn how to present them with better campaigns in the future. Uh, that's what I did with my very first campaign. I had done several pre-made campaigns. I was comfortable with them. My first homebrewed campaign was most definitely a test run. You know, how was I in presenting treasures? How was I in, in my timing? How was I in developing my NPCs? Things like that, Pre presenting um, side missions, things like that. So it can be just as much for you as it is for your players. And, and the thing to keep in mind is, is I think that's a, a good objective to have for any story that you run is to improve in some way. Because yes. No DM out there is is the end-all, be-all, perfect DM. There's always mm -hmm. room for improvement. There's always things you can work on, whether it's doing things like understanding how better to describe the scenery yeah. uh, beyond just what they see, mm -hmm. uh, to, to how better to voice and give life to your NPCs. Yeah. Whatever it is, those could be objectives that you have when you, when you build out your story uh, with, with these other things that you're planning on doing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, I think if, you know, outside of objectives, you know, if, if we're thinking, okay, well, what are other ways to create my story besides objectives, then you can always just start at the beginning, beginning of the beginning. Um, or the beginning before the beginning. Exactly. The pre-beginning. Uh, you know, and then one thing that I had kind of contemplated playing around with is starting off my story, kind of prefacing it with um, some sort of myth or legend that talks about something that will inevitably impact your players or offer some sort of foreshadowing. Uh, like you were talking about leaving those breadcrumbs for your players to find um, later. Those types of things are excellent types of foreshadowing that can kind of lead to more robust development further down the line. Yep. And... and when you talk about starting with a legend, some of the things you have to really consider is how you deliver that. Yeah. Depending on your players, sitting down at the table and saying, I'm going to tell you about the legend of Zarthox. <laughs> and this legend sure. is an epic 90-page document that I have built, yep. and I'm going to impart that upon you. <laughs> Page uh, one. <laughs> you may have players looking at you going, I thought we came here to role play, not have story time. Uh, so if you if you have a lot of lore that you have built into mm -hmm. your game, thinking about how you deliver that is important. Yes. Uh, because sure, you can you can give them the the high points mm -hmm. and say these are the these are the important things you happen. But if you have a lot more detail, a lot more depth, you may want to give them a primer document before they get there and <laughs> hope that like ten percent of the players read it. You're like a pamphlet <laughs> before they come in. <laughs> um, but and and. And I'm playing in a game right now where, where that has happened. They they had a, a pretty robust pantheon, mm -hmm. pretty robust government system, and and the DM uh, Malcolm from our last episode um, gave us a gave us a document that said, all right, here's all the here's all the gods, here's kind of what they do and what they believe in, and here's what their followers do. Mm -hmm. And it was it was a it was I showed you this. It was a yeah. fairly extensive document. Definitely it's not something that would have been easily uh, easy to impart uh, as part of a session. So yeah. he gave that to us, and yeah, it was about a I would say fifty fifty of who read it and who yeah. didn't. Um, <laughs> His encyclopedia. <laughs> but but as long as it's as long as the information in that document is not something that is extremely critical to the players not dying. Yeah. Uh, it's okay if some of them don't read it, as long as some of them did. Yeah, and I mean, inevitably, you're probably going to have at least one of your players that does tend to be more of the research, detail-oriented type of person. I have um, an individual in my, my group that is very much into writing down every single thing that we've experienced, everything we've come across. Um, so, you know, chances are you're going to have that individual in your party um, to, to make sure that, like, oh, you know, if, if there are, are myths or legends or things like that that are imparted that... They've have track that they've, they've kept track of them. The Oracle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oracle. Um, so, uh, in addition to legend, a, a good place to start. The way that I have started the the game that I'm running is is adding together a bunch of small ideas to make a big story. Yeah. And uh, when you were playing in this game, we had one one arc that we were doing, and as I told that story and interacted with the players, I started thinking of other little hooks. Mm -hmm. And I didn't fully develop anything. I just said, all right, well, here's a hook, here's a hook, here's a hook. And through a variety of means, we'll talk about how to present those later, I presented those to the players and saw what they were interested in. The other hooks that they didn't take stuck around. Yeah. But, but And then f further on down the line, I figured out, oh, here's an element of this story that can tie into an element of this story, and here's an element of this story that also ties in. And then I had a, a much larger story that overarched through the whole thing. And it was 
as a DM, it was a really exciting day for me because I hadn't <laughs> been trying to do that. I was just looking at little arcs and was like, oh, this is the mother load. Live God shining <laughs> upon it. Um, so I, I think that that, that kind of does the beginning, ending, where to start. Uh, um, some of the things to consider when you start putting together your story mm -hmm. is is choices. So it could be something as simple as, as are they going to be on the side of good? Are they going to be on the side of evil? It could be some sort of ambiguous moral gray area. Yeah, I mean, like very much like a, a Robin Hood scenario. You know, maybe you start off doing something for, um, you know, a you know the aristocracy of a certain city-state or like the mayor or the governor of a certain town, and you think you're doing the right thing, and you think that you're you're on the right side of things, and then you come across that band of rebels or that group of pirates or whoever it is that you're supposed to be bringing in for a bounty, and it turns out that maybe the situation is a little more complicated than you thought, and maybe good and evil isn't so black and white. Um, the moral quandary certainly is is an excellent way um, of creating that ambiguity, and I think that's that's a very um, it's a very very strategic, a very smart way of presenting a story. Um, because, you know, the thing that, like, I think creates a lot of interest for your players is those those complicated decisions, you know. And again, we're talking about emotional investment. Um, and getting your players invested are definitely these types of decisions where they have to hash it out and they have to, like, argue amongst themselves about it. And, you know, that gets people worked up. It gets them invested. Yeah, and, and it, it really is... Hmm almost forcing them to be an active participant yeah. in the game where where maybe you had some players that were on the sidelines just waiting for the next combat. Mm -hmm. You're giving them, you have to make this decision. You're either yes. going to do what you've been doing, which is a decision in itself, or yeah. you're going to change and do this other thing. And whatever you do, there's going to be consequences. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like we're saying, you know, good and evil may not be so distinct. Sometimes you're just trying to choose the lesser of evils. They're both bad choices, but, you know, you're just trying to um, pick the one that maybe isn't as bad for your group. Well, and it, it may be a matter of good and evil is different from what point of view you have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in, a, in, in the game that I'm running right now, we just had a had this confrontation where the, the, the players had to pick a side. Um, the mayor of a town was kidnapping people and harvesting their life source. Lovely. And, and the local bandits were were one of the groups he was trying to get. Mm. He hired the players to go get them. They talked to the bandits, decided that they were going to side with the bandits, and they took down the mayor. Uh, one of the side effects of all this stuff going on was a lot of magic that helped out the residents of the town. Mm -hmm. he, he goes away. The magic goes away. Now the Ooh. townspeople are, are pissed, and they think that these guys are the evil people that came to take the magic away. Oh. <laughs> so, so it really, having that, depending upon what lens you put on it yeah. is good or evil, it can, can be a lot of fun too. Well, and I think you hit on a very, very important part of, of these types of situations, which is the concept of consequences. And I think what makes it even more engaging for your players is, is you don't want to necessarily present, um, you know, situations that have like, oh, okay, this is one decision, this is the other decision, and it, it seems relatively clear about which direction they should go. Oh, this one's distinctly good, distinctly evil, or they're both distinctly bad, or anything like that. I think what really creates, um, again, more of that investment is when you provide consequences. No matter what they do, someone somewhere is going to suffer the consequences. And so it adds kind of adds to the, the complexity of the decisions that they're making. They're like, oh yeah, you know, we can help out these bandits 
right, um, who have been victims of this mayor's terrible evil plot, but now because he helped out the bandits, now the town folk have suffered. Um, versus, okay, well, if you went with the mayor, well, then the bandits continue to suffer as victims. No matter what you do, someone loses. Um, and it, it certainly adds, it adds that, like I was saying, that emotional investment that you really want from your players. It gives them that. Yep. Yep. Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining us for our first episode of the new year. Do you have plans for 2020? Well, I've got some clarity for you. How about starting that New Year's resolution with a fresh new gaming opportunity? John's been raving about it all last year, so I've decided to try and start playing Darkwind, our sponsor, for the beginning of my new year. Darkwind offers customizable characters, a plethora of continents to explore, decades worth of development on adventuring areas, and much more. And the best part? It's 100% free. So go to play.darkwind.org to start today. And now, let's get back to the show. So I think let's kind of venture into the elements of storytelling. We've been talking a lot about like these ethereal things, and now we're going to talk about even more ethereal things. <laughs> uh, um, so you actually have a lot more experience, I think, with some of the, the storytelling components yeah. than I do. So I'm going to let you kind of kick it off. Okay, yeah. So, you know, one of the basic things um, for any any writer um, or author or storyteller, you know, is just some of the basics when you think of actual storytelling. Um, you know, one is plot progression. You have to have a, something that moves your story along in a certain way. Um, and, and the tension is a great way that leads up to that climax. So that plot progression has to be present. Um, when you want something that creates tension, we were talking about emotional investment, right? Something that's going to propel your players forward to that ultimate climax goal. Um, you know, you can create some sort of framework for that. And, and sometimes it's a time thing where it's like, oh, you have, you know, this message will self-destruct in five seconds, you know. You only have until morning to, <laughs> yeah. to kill the undead vampire. Exactly. And then he goes into hibernation for the next three months. Yeah, exactly. Like um, you know, and, and uh, what was it? Um, was it 30 Days of Night? That was a really great comic that was talking, you know, there was a specific time frame which these creatures came out and then mm -hmm. they were gone again. Um, so, you know, when you, when you have a very distinct timeline for these things to occur, um, it, it offers a lot of good tension that will kind of lead them to their ultimate goal. Um, you know, another one is, you had mentioned before, like, oh, a murder mystery. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, you can actually go on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ran a game where, uh, where my players were on a ship. They were mm. traveling from one place to the other. It was supposed to be a run-of-the-mill just transport thing. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting down for dinner after the second night. And um, somebody dies at the dum, table. Dum, dum. He, he is obviously poisoned. Um, and then... The party starts trying to figure out who did it. Mm -hmm. uh, another person dies mm -hmm. uh, about a day later. The captain of the ship starts getting paranoid and thinking, well, <laughs> the only people I don't know on this ship are these this party of people that 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 just came on board at our last stop. So yeah. he's he's got a it's it's a someone dies plus time because he's getting paranoid that he's gonna be next and is getting ready to kick the party off the ship. So yeah. they have to work to figure out what what uh what the the resolution for the murders is mm -hmm. and do it within a, a pretty finite period of time yeah and uh, you know kind of when you were saying that it kind of triggered my memory i think one of my favorite examples and uh, not kind of about someone dying but also something else but kind of in that same along the same lines um the movie the thing 
mm-hmm. was a great example of like, oh, you have a very finite time period to do these things because you have this crazy alien that's going around and taking over people and also killing them. Um, and, you know, it was very tense because it wasn't just about like trying to kill the alien before it either killed or possessed everyone. You know, it was, it was very much about also discovering who was the alien too. Um, so you had two very separate, distinct things that were creating tension that ultimately was the end goal was to survive and defeat the alien. I think those types of stories really create that. Um, speaking of dying, <laughs> um, another really great thing is, is maybe someone, someone did get poisoned, but they didn't die right away. You have a, a certain period of time before they die, and you have to find a way to yep. cure them before they die. Um, I think there was another one we were talking about, um, nemeses. Yes, and good old vengeance. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and I think I mentioned this in the in the podcast a couple of times. Uh, I have a, a nemesis that's tied to one of my players' backstories, mm-hmm. and they kind of took that story from me and and started building on their own in ways that I had never expected, because uh, because they decided that this guy needed to be put down, and so now they're they're like searching, dog the country, he is. searching the countryside for him. They don't really know what his uh, goals are yet, but now that I know this is the direction they're going, I can build around that. And I, I, I knew what his goals were before, but now I know how to start exposing it to yeah. them. Yeah, and that's, that's a great way um, um, to really, like I said, you know, get that, that plot progression going, create that tension, and then inevitably reach to a climax. Um, so another thing that's really important when it comes to storytelling is your character dialogue, or, or just dynamics in general. Um, and this kind of comes back to your NPCs, right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of conversations do you have with these NPCs? What kind of dynamics do they have? You know, what are their interactions like? Those need to be very enriching interactions. Those need to be ones that create interest and intrigue and, you know, kind of like you were saying, kind of hook your players in. That yep. can come through conversation. It's a very important element, um, you know, that are can certainly be enhanced by small things. You were talking before on previous episodes about accents. Yes. You know, and that's that's another way of just like a little extra little nugget for your players to enjoy. Well, and the thing to keep in, in mind with character dialogue is that there is, in my mind, kind of two classifications of character dialogue. There is the character dialogue, which is very much a part of moving the story forward. Mm-hmm. And then there is character dialogue, which, though it does nothing to move the, the story forward, it is very important to the story as as the filling in those spaces between so it's not just every time i hear a character speak i know that's important to the story yeah you have exactly. to you have to be able to throw in some red herrings some ways mm-hmm. sometimes the red herrings aren't even red herrings they're just people talking and the players may take them a different way yeah absolutely i think you know making sure that it's balanced in um and they do that in like video games as well. Not every person that you talk to is going to offer something of use. You know, it's just sort of offering context and just a little bit of interest there. Um, Sort of related to character dialogue anyways is um, exposition. And I think that's an important thing. Sometimes as a DM, I think people get really caught up in telling people the things that they need to know as opposed to showing them. And, you know, you can, which I'm at the very beginning about like, oh, presenting a legend. you know, telling them like, okay, this might have something to do with what your your campaign is about. You know, you don't want to give too much stuff away. You don't necessarily want to um, provide all the information, all the exposition, and tell them everything. Some of it they need to discover on their own along through the campaign, and that's also an important thing 
to keep in mind. Oh, we know from the legend that we need to slay the Balrog and take his bowels and take yeah. it up the mountain and feed it to this guy and then we'll be done. Yeah, exactly. And you know exactly how many gold pieces <laughs> you're going to get and exactly where it's located. Yeah, I mean, you got to leave some things up to, um, you know, mystery. You have to leave some things for your characters to stumble across or explore yep. or discover. So there's that. Um, and speaking of like places for your par like your, your players to explore and discover, um, another thing that comes from elements of storytelling is, is descriptions of the places and the people and the things that they encounter. Um, destinations, what do the buildings look like? Do they smell the, the salt in the air when they're on the ocean? You know, do they hear the drip drip of whatever when they're in a cave? You know, do their feet crunch with dry dead leaves as they're walking through the forest in fall? There are a number of ways to provide your characters sensory experiences than just getting caught in the typical rut of visual. Yeah, and, and by, by providing those descriptions of, of their encounters, it, it can be something that is part of the story because if you want to have they're, they're approaching someplace and you want to show the stark contrast because mm -hmm. maybe they're entering some deadly ground or something like that. If you haven't described what they're experiencing beforehand and then you just start describing what they're experiencing when they get there, yeah. there is no contrast. Yeah. So, so it helps to, to keep in mind that even though what they're experiencing beforehand may not be a key important part of the story, it's important in that, that it gives you a basis. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think people definitely have an appreciation of one type of description of a setting if they have something to compare it to versus it just being all of a sudden in your face. Right. Um, and I think the last thing about um, storytelling elements just in general is timing. You know, you really have to pay attention to when you present certain aspects of your stories to your players. So, you know, when do they come across treasures? When do they come across a clue? When do they come across certain people um, or certain nemeses? Uh, you know, those are very important. Um, those are very important things to to think about and consider as you're creating your story is how you want to sprinkle in those particular aspects um, of, of your story to your characters. Um, and I think actually kind of related to this, we had a question from a listener that was asking about balancing storytelling with character interaction. Yeah, so Ryan uh, emailed us through our website. Hi, Ryan. And, mm -hmm. uh, and basically wanted us to, to, to talk, you already said it, about, it, about balancing storytelling with, with, with the player interaction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, I think, comes down to knowing your players yes. and knowing what things they are interested in yes. and what things they are not. Uh, <laughs> Very uh, much so. Because I, I, so I like to refer to it as block text. So sometimes when you get to a new area, there's in, in published adventures, they call it block text, where mm -hmm. you've got this block of text that you read through to give them an idea of where they're at. Yeah. But sometimes the block text goes, a bit beyond that so mm -hmm. you you describe the people coming in and the things that they're saying and, yeah. and nothing the players has done at this point has really had any effect on that they've just mm -hmm. walked in and like all these things happened so it was like the story vomited on them <laughs> uh, so uh being able to to provide them a gap yeah. so sure when they get in you want to you want to spend some time describing what they're looking at yes but maybe stop after that. Nobody has to talk until until the players say, "All right, well, let's go approach this guy, yes. or or let's do this." Uh, giving them some agency in that storytelling, making mm -hmm. sure that they're involved in 
the creation of your story yes. will will help you get that balance. But unfortunately, there's no uh, super mathematical thing to do it. You have to understand what your players ratio. are and are not capable of or are not willing to do and, and kind of take it from there. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and of course, this this particular scenario you're offering is, is assuming, you know, you may know your players a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I was mentioning before as a DM that, you know, it's important to pay attention to your players' habits and preferences as you're playing. If, on the other hand, you're dealing with a group that's brand new and these are players that you have never encountered before, it might behoove you to offer them one of two things. Um, I would suggest writing a very small one-off adventure that has sort of an equal balance of storytelling, treasures, and monsters, something along those lines, and just kind of seeing how your players react to that very short, very brief, equally balanced campaign. Yep. Um, the other thing, which I'm, I'm actually going to do soon in my campaign, is um, I have this little prop that I'm going to offer, which was like a job posting board, which has different types of adventures. One's more maybe treasure, maybe one's more monster driven, maybe one is more like puzzle story driven, and just sort of maybe seeing like what your players gravitate to um, as a group. That might help give you a little more insight onto, okay, well, if my players like more of the murder hobo-y stories, then I know to provide a little more action versus storytelling in my campaigns. So. The important thing is either to one, pay attention to how your players react as you're currently playing campaigns, or two, to find an opportunity to gauge what their preferences are if these are new players. That should either way give you a good sense of how you need to balance your storytelling with your players' interactions. And I'll add a third one to that. Ooh, a third one. Um, uh, As we mentioned in episode eight, Mm -hmm. uh, having a session zero. So talking with your (laughs) players about what they really want and what they want out of the game will help you come up with with that balance. But... In, in practice, uh, one and two, from, mm-hmm. from what you were saying, are, are easier to do because you actually have a little bit more realistic experience rather than what the person is saying about themselves. Absolutely. So and Everybody I, wants to come to the table and say, oh, I'm an awesome role player yeah. <laughs> and that's all I want to do. But when they get yeah. in there and all they want to do is cut the guy's head off, it's a different story. When I think also the last thing is that you hit on, which was a very good point, was sometimes you just need to take a step back and sort of like have gaps for your players to kind of fill in on the story. Like you may have a basic story in mind, like the one you were doing for the campaign that I was in. You know, you start off with a certain story, but like when your player took hold of a certain aspect of it, it ended up developing into a whole new story. So sometimes it's nice to let your players fill in those gaps. It's nice because you don't have to do as much work. (laughs) Very true. But hopefully, Ryan, that helped out a, a little bit in giving you some clarification to your question. Uh, so last little thing we're going to talk about about story is presenting those story hooks to your players. So you've got your okay. your your basic framework of the stories worked out, mm-hmm. and now you're like, how do I get the, my players to look at these? How do I get these in front of my players? What are some options there? Yes. And I do I do a lot of this. So I'm going to start out with I do a lot of props. Yes. So. And they're amazing. <laughs> Sometimes I will 3D print props that have clues embedded in them, mm-hmm. and they'll have to figure out what that prop means. So from there, they can they can chase down NPCs that may know some lore about mm-hmm. the the region or something like that. Uh, correspondence has has become a big thing where where a lot of the uh, the bad guys in this in this uh, faction are. are communicating back and forth to each other. And so yeah. that's, that's a way to, to expose some detail uh, without having to have a big conversation about it. I feel like at your next session, you're going to have like a real live carrier pigeon come in and deliver oh, absolutely. a message. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
Um, one that I saw recently and that I have now stolen to use in my game, which mm. I you were saying that you're going to steal to use in your game now, is a, is a newspaper. So <laughs> the town that they walk into, there I'm going to have a newspaper, and there will be a number of stories in there. Mm -hmm. um, some of them will just be red herring stories about some random occurrence in town. Yeah. That, really doesn't have any bearing on the on the overall story. Some of them will be a historical documentation of something that the party did. Mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned, that they had this uh, escapade in the town where the townsfolk thought that they were evil and mm -hmm. the bandits thought they were good. Uh, there's a newspaper story talking about how this, this, this band of ruffians came and destroyed their town and killed the mayor and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So uh, it, it, it gets them invested in, in reading it because, oh, that's about me. But then you can also have stories that drop clues about other things going on as well yeah. that they can choose to investigate or not. I think um, another thing we had talked about too, and, and actually I did this in one of my first homebrew campaigns, um, was the presentation of like riddles or puzzles. And I know you have this lovely 3D printer so that you can actually make real puzzles and stuff. Um, for me, I ended up having, um, you know, uh, I would present a riddle and that riddle was say engraved over a doorway or they stumbled across it on some stone or carved into a tree. Um, and that, you know, amongst, you know, and in solving that riddle, um, then the players are able to either proceed in a certain direction or gain something from it. So it's riddles and puzzles are, are really great ways to one, get the wheels turning. And also like we were saying, you know, really engage your players or re-engage them um, in the story. Yep. So. And I mean, there's always the good old gossip and rumor. Better uh, than some good chismas. And the nice thing about gossip and rumor is you can on the fly make it up. So if you had an idea for a hook that just came to your mind and you had to execute it right there, mm -hmm. while they're walking through town, they can overhear somebody talking to somebody else about, about exactly. this. There's, there's no real effort necessarily to, to put that together. Yeah. Um, you may want to put some effort into it to make the gossip a little bit more juicy or a little mm. bit more uh, cryptic. That yeah. they would have to follow details on, but that is a, a good good option. Uh, you had mentioned earlier in the episode here about a job board. I did indeed. Um, I mean, when now we're, we're talking straightforward. Now, I I actually stole this. Well, I don't know if it was ever original idea, but I stole this from when my husband and I were playing The Witcher. Mm -hmm. And you know, you go to certain towns, and there was these job boards with different missions on them, and you could take the missions on and then do them, uh, obviously at your own um, at your own pace, but. I was doing this, you know, my, my DM campaign. I was like, oh, you know, I think I'm actually going to create a prop that is like a job board, a job board posting. So when my players come back into town, I'm going to post up all these different jobs requests. Um, and the players can decide then which ones they want to choose. Um, and then from there, you know, the more they get, the more that will be posted up. And, and as they do more, the difficulty levels will increase uh, in the jobs that they continue to do. So, um, and most of them will probably be just little side, you know, side quest missions in addition to the main mission. But um, again, we were talking about leaving those breadcrumbs. So, I mean, those are really great ways of like, hey, there's these other side missions that could potentially lead to something further down the road and help you expand your campaign. And then uh, lastly, as far as presenting story hooks, is I, I wrote down something <laughs> happened to someone. Uh, <laughs> no! This could be, this could be uh, something was stolen, stolen from one of the characters. Yeah, a family heirloom. Yeah, or, or as you mentioned earlier, a player's cousin was, was kidnapped. Yes. Uh, someone was murdered, and it was, it was someone that, that was special to one of the players. Yeah, uh, quest of vengeance once again. Basically, you're looking for ways to make the players cry and give them a reason <laughs> to, to, to pursue uh, a storyline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's 
pretty much what we had to talk about story today. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about building your nemesis. Nemesis. So join us <laughs> then. Uh, but until then, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us for the first Becoming DM episode of the new year. We've got one more episode left in our Build Your Own series, and we need your help. Uh, while we come up with some of the ideas for shows on our own, it's great when we hear from listeners so that we know exactly what you'd like to hear about. So please go to becomingdm.com and click on contact. Let us know what you'd like to hear about, and we'll let everybody else know that this was your idea. Becoming DM was produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll see you then.